You are listening to Lions Unchained. The podcast where the lion within you is unleashed and the truth will set you free. Join Carl Joseph right now for a life-changing word where no topic is off the table. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. Friend, I'd like to talk today to you about fasting. To fast is to refrain from food of all kinds, and in some cases water, but I would never personally recommend that. Now, I know some people aren't too keen on the topic, so I I will cover it really fast. Sorry about that. The purpose of fasting is to dissipate the power of the flesh so that we become more sensitive to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. As you fast, certain bad habits or strongholds can weaken and your spirit man will rise up in strength. I sincerely believe in fasting and I have a personal affinity for it because it's how I came to the Lord. Back in the last century, I went on an extended juice fast for 28 days and during that time, I came to the saving knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is still the longest time I've ever fasted. Although numerous times I fasted for a day, perhaps three days, seven days and even ten days every year. It's a testimony I will share at another time. Suffice to say, during that period, it was as if I came to a deeper realization that there was more to life than just the attainment of riches and success. In fact, by the age of 26, I had achieved what I had set out to do, but was left with an unfulfilled void on the inside of me. It was at this juncture in time and in desperation I turned to fasting and this decision led me on a collision course with Jesus himself. Praise God. Now let me read you a passage. This is Matthew chapter 17 verses 14 through 21. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Now this is talking about Jesus. Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer with you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. Friend, this is a very famous passage, and I apologize to you, because when I read the King James, subconsciously I switch it over into a modern translation. I subconsciously remove the there, the thous, and basically replace it as if it was today. It's just a habit I've got into down the years. Now, the problem was unbelief of the disciples in this case, which prevented the spirit from being cast out. It was not a lack of power necessarily on their part. Now, remember, back in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus had already given them power and authority over unclean spirits. So they already had enough power and authority to do the job. The comment of prayer and fasting is mentioned in Mark's account, but it is not mentioned in Luke's. Mark's account also claims the child was deprived of the power of speech. And in other words, he was foaming at the mouth and gnashing at the teeth. It was very violent. 
Clearly, the child was in great distress, and the Greek manuscripts indicate he suffered terribly. The parents of this child were desperate for a solution, and evidently Jesus was very upset with his disciples who were unable to provide one. Now, there are two ways to interpret this passage. Evidently, this kind of demon, or particularly the strength of this demon, was one that the disciples had never encountered before, because prior to this, they were successfully practicing the expulsion of demons and healing the sick after they were commissioned to do so. The word kind in this passage is the Greek word genos. Vine's expository dictionary declares that it means family, race, generation, kind, or class. Perhaps it was this kind of demon or type of demon of another class entirely that was unable to come out except by the powerful combination of prayer and fasting. Or was it? Another more pertinent interpretation could be this kind that Jesus was talking about was not the demon. It was this kind of unbelief. Recall that Jesus could do no mighty works in his hometown of Nazareth because of the unbelief of the people there. In other words, when Jesus came to town, they'd say, oh, I remember when Jesus was in diapers. I remember when he built that barn down the road as a carpenter. He's not the son of God. He's one of us. They were hindered by familiarity with Jesus growing up with him. In other words, unbelief, in essence, is looking at the circumstances and being overpowered by the situation rather than looking to God's word. Doubt is merely not knowing something, but unbelief, in contrast, is knowing something, but choosing not to believe. And this is what Jesus rebuked them for. They knew better. They had the authority, but they looked at the child and his circumstances and him writhing in pain and suffering on the floor, and then they just freaked out. They started to look at the situation instead of the authority that God had given them. It's not a pleasant experience to see a child in such distress. If you've ever seen someone have a seizure, it is not not pleasant. Instead of patting the disciples on the back and letting them know how proud he was of them for trying to cast the demon out, Jesus, however, was most upset, and he openly rebuked them for their unbelief. Remember, in Matthew 10, Jesus has already commissioned them to do the task. They should have done it. They should have carried it out. Now, fasting down the ages has become associated with mourning, afflictions, distress, and sorrow. In this unique example, the term lunatic is derived from the root word lunar, and lunatic conveys the idea of a person being demented and prone to random seizures as a result of paroxysm. A demented person under this influence would likely start to lose the cognitive function of his body, as we have no doubt witnessed for ourselves when in proximity to those experiencing an epileptic seizure, for example. Epilepsy in that time period was believed to be affected by the transcendent powers of the moon and its monthly cycles. In olden times, they would label the person having a seizure as moonstruck. Hence, on certain occasions, possibly when the moon was full, the child in this passage would be thrown into the fire or water uncontrollably, likely with gnashing of teeth and foaming at the mouth, hence the distraught father seeking deliverance from the disciples. Of course, I am not saying, friend, that everyone today has a demon if they're prone to epileptic seizures. I'm not saying that. Now, Jesus said, when you fast in Matthew 6, 16, not if you fast, meaning it was something he practiced regularly on a personal level and likely expected his disciples to do so also, although he never explicitly commanded them in any passage. The primitive church did set aside weekly fasting, but this was a tradition from Judaism and for no special reason. 
Although Christ did not oppose fasting, he fiercely condemned the ostentatious fasting of the Pharisees, which was hypocritical in the sense that its main aim was to be lauded by men for their own expressions of piety. Their onus was on the superficial outside appearance of fasting, rather than the inside, which is the heart. While we are on the topic of extended fasts, there are only four men who fasted for 40 days in the Bible, but we should certainly not use them as guidelines. These are unique cases, my friend. Number one, Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 9 and 10, Joshua in Exodus 24 and chapter 32, Elijah in 1 Kings 19, and Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 1. Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, supposedly without food or water, as he was in the wilderness, he was in the desert, just as Moses had done on Mount Sinai, perhaps a near impossible human feat in each case, but God empowered each one to do so. In Jesus' case, he was ministered to by angels after his ordeal. Friend, you need to be very, very careful if you're going on a prolonged fast because it brings on weakness in the body. It talks about that in Psalm 109 and 1 Samuel chapter 28. There have been overtly zealous men down the years who have even died when they've tried to fast for excessive periods. It's interesting to note that the other three examples of men who fasted for 40 days in addition to Jesus were types and shadows of Jesus to come. Some people, in sharp contrast, have made fasting a form of works, uh, a badge of piety, a badge of honor amongst their friends to show how spiritual they are. But we must believe on the name of Jesus Christ alone for effectively destroying the works of the devil, not by prolonged fasting. And I'm going to explain shortly the purposes of fasting. Did you know that Jesus never once condemned fasting? And in this particular passage of Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21, this strong demonic entity could only be expelled, apparently, by the combination of both prayer and fasting. Nowhere in the New Testament did Jesus initiate any kind of fast. In his commands to his disciples, Jesus never enjoined any fast to be kept. Paul did fast. But in all his letters to the church, there is not a single reference telling the church to fast. Although we do know that fasting was practiced by the early Christians according to the law of their fathers. Acts 13 verse 3, Acts 14 verse 23, and 2 Corinthians 6 5. In Paul's particular case, he did express his own frequency of fastings as often and list them as one of his sufferings in 2 Corinthians 11.27 and 2 Corinthians 6.5. One could speculate that these fastings were involuntary when you consider the hardships which no doubt occurred on his many missionary journeys. A deeper word study of this term fastings mentioned by the Apostle Paul comes from the Greek word nestia. It does indeed refer to skipping or foregoing meals involuntarily in these passages. The word often here is polakis, and it means many times or frequently. The likelihood is that due to Paul's altruistic focus on the gospel and its dissemination, he chose to skip meals when he labored to further the work of God. In addition, some of the early church fathers like Polycarp, Oregon, and Tortellian spoke of fasting prior to water baptism. So it's a long-held tradition in the church. Friend, listen to this. From the Word of God, we know that, number one, fasting does not change God. It changes you. God is the same before, during, and after your fast. Number two, it will help you keep your flesh under and strengthens your spirit man. 
you can become more sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit during a fast. Fasting is desirous in times when you need an answer from the throne and there is an urgent situation that needs resolution. Fasting will not increase your faith. That comes by hearing God's word, but it will help you hear more clearly from the Holy Spirit. And finally, fasting can dissipate unbelief in your life and switch your focus away from personal strongholds or hindrances. Friend, during this time, we have the name of Jesus. But remember, if you are called on to cast out a spirit in these times, trust in the name of Jesus. Put your faith in that, not your growling stomach if you're on a fast. The power is in the name. Fasting has its benefits, but it is not the be-all and end-all. It brings you closer to God. It brings you closer to the Spirit of God for guidance. Friend, if God is calling you to fast today, I would urge you not to do it for more than three days. Just start out with one day and then gradually increase because there are physical ramifications that could be negative for doing so. Until tomorrow, good night, God bless, and remember to spread the good news. You have been listening to Carl Joseph in the Lions Unchained podcast. Every week, new episodes are uploaded. So stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out our website at carljosephministries.com for exciting articles and discussion points. See you next week. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button.